0: Well, it's summer, on the calendar at least. And while so much of Australia's had so much wet weather, we expect that summer will come sooner or later. And with summer comes barbecuing. But the Aussie barbecue is undergoing a transformation. The trend is to American-style barbecues with marinades and rubs and long cooking times. And one Australian chef who was born in Yorkshire, where there's not much of a barbecue tradition, has been working on a whole range of spice mixtures for barbecues. It's called the Street Barbecue Range. Matt Wilkinson speaks with Rita Ehrlich about the range and how it came about.
1: I'm here with Matt Wilkinson. Matt Wilkinson, something of a one-man band. He's a chef, he's a culinary director, he's a creative spirit, he does many, many things. But we're here to talk about barbecues and barbecue spices and rubs and all things barbecue. Matt, you're new to this, or at least you've introduced... You're working with Andrew from the Q Club and you're working on a range of
2: barbecue spices, rubs, mixes... And seasonings, yes. So in... In 2019, Rita, I, um, I had a business, Pope Joan, uh, sorry, 2018, um, it was coming to the end of its tenure. I was like, well, what else can I get into? And I have a love of all things fire and smoke and cooking. I was doing the summer camp cookouts at Pope Joan down the back alley. And I love going out and cooking in nature over raw flame. Back then, I was like, well, what else can I get into? And I actually, prior to getting into a load of rubs and um, seasonings, I started looking into the actual fuel itself and flavour through charcoal. I actually developed a by charcoal of using Cobram Estate olive pips, garlic from the Australian garlic, uh, the escape the, the from the Australian Garlic um, Alliance, and by charcoal and compressed wood and then I got into looking at smoking pellets so as we all know with smoking pellets you know you smoke with beech or you smoke with apple wood well I looked at some of the big like cherry apples and then even gin four pillars gin where I was taking the waste botanicals or the spent apple skins and cherry skins and I dehydrated them and I pelletized them with recycled kiln-dried timbers to make these pellets that was actually apple, if you smoked, was actually cherry and was the flavours of gin. I also came up with some other ones like banana leaf and things with the idea of making, and I tested out, the most wonderful chicken and pork smoked. Anyway, uh, I met, uh, I've known Andrew for a long time, he's like, oh look, before you get into that market, maybe come up with a, a range of rubs. So I studied and looked into the fascination of low and slow, so the American and North American culture of uh, low and slow barbecue. And what I found was that a lot of them were salt, sugar, high high intense flavors. And there was a lot of them already in the market. So I was like, well, what What could I do? So for my love of travel, and I've been very fortunate in my job to travel around the world, as, as have many people in uh, in the cooking world and travel world, And one of my fascinations and loves was the barbecues of the world. The searing heat of coming out of a live fire when you're in Tuscany after you've had a a steak bistecca or the brick chicken. When you're in South America and that quintessential South American rub, the asado, over large hunks of meat over flame. The quintessential Australian travel to Bali where you have the little satay chicken skewers. And one of my two major loves of... Tokyo or Japan but also of India so in Mumbai that craziness of Mumbai and Mm. if you've ever been to any of the markets there they'll slaughter butcher and cook there on site sometimes and I had this most exquisite time with this um, Catholic Indian man in Mumbai where he showed me his secrets to one of his ticker for goat and again in, in Tokyo I was an hour and a half on the bullet train north of Tokyo eating at a you know one of the mixed japanese mm. restaurants where we had beautiful noodles beautiful raw fish and then this barbecue at the end with his seven spice togarashi and i was just blown away so i looked with andrew and i was like well can we do and we ended up creating a company called street barbecue
1: now this is very different from the traditional australian barbecue which is tends to be charred steak and sausages done over a fairly high flame, because you want to get out of the flies and the mosquitoes as soon as possible. So the the traditional Australian barbecue is fast, it is and purposeful. Yeah, <laughs> purposeful barbecuing. The trend that I'm seeing is to much more American-style barbecuing, which requires quite a lot of preparation. A lot of seasoning.
2: And a lot of seasoning. A
1: lot of seasoning, a lot of preparation, and low, slow cooking. Yeah. Smoking, but not over direct smoke.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's over the heat of the coals rather than direct heat. Yeah, And that gives you very, very different flavours. Now, this is a trend I'm identifying. Am I right in identifying?
2: 100%. Again, so in 2018 I was looking and... You know, and I think in the, the Australian Barbecue Alliance, when I, they had about 60,000 members, this is four years ago, they've now almost tripled the amount of American Barbecue Alliance. Uh, sorry, Australian-American Barbecue Alliance. In America, it's into the millions. And there's, there's a, a beautifulness in low and slow. It's kind of like a, uh, I guess it's almost cultish. People didn't want to talk about it and now it's got out there and they're the most barbecues that they use are offset barbecues. So, what they call drums... Like, the original Weber...
1: Was a drum. Was a drum. is a drum. Okay. An offset barbecue. I keep thinking of offset printing and thinking... No, <laughs> no, no. no, no.
2: So, so, different. so, in smoking, I, I come from Yorkshire, right? So, we do what we do really well there is rhubarb and we do pigs really well for the Yorkshire ham and we do beer really well. And... A lot of the smoking is cold smoking, like in the north... I don't know if you've been up the northeast of England, where they do all the Arbroath smokies into Scotland and the herring... Oh, yes, 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 yes. So I, I know offset barbecue... Well, offset smoking through cold smoking. The American barbecue style is offset with a little bit of heat. So you have a box, a chamber box, where you have the fire... And then the smoke comes up and goes into a drum. And then you have the, the tube that goes out and lets the smoke out. and you So you're cooking and smoking at the same time. The Weber kettle, which is a drum. Well, it's a kettle, actually, barbecue, not a drum, but a kettle. Can do the same thing. You can offset to the side. And I don't think there's anything more Australian, even though it's American, yeah. than the Weber. The Weber, yeah. So to me, it's about the cycles are coming back. And... The days of the Bunnings sausage sizzle, which we all know as the Australian barbecue, this low and slow, Kool-Tay-esque, um, is here.
1: The Bunnings barbecue, for me, is Election Day barbecue. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, one of the pleasures of Election Day. Um, and then there's no time for low and slow, because <laughs> there's a queue of people Q. waiting to be fed. Um it's, it's an interesting thing. The other thing is that it takes uh, it takes more skill and it takes real thought about what seasonings you're going to
2: use. Yeah, it does, and there is a lot of processes. There's also a lot of... Because it is low and slow, um, it does take a lot of time, so you have to have a lot of planning. Personally, I do prefer the hard and fast style, and I think from the, the, the next trend of the American barbecue, which is kind of here... The next trend for me is going back to like the Argentinian or Brazilian style of it's low and slow, but it's flavour, and it's big chunks of meat over an open flame. Um, the, the, the one grill that's getting used a lot is the perilla grill, where you can move it up and down. It's on like a wind, um. and it's like grates, and you, you feed the fire from the back, so it just gently, the, the coals just keep pushing forward through the weight. And the other one, which is I've seen a lot of, which I never would have thought about it, it but is the hibachi oh, yes. of Japan. Yes. Where it's such a small barbecue, that's it's almost like the picnic barbecue. Yes. Right? Yes.
1: Or the small family. The barbecue, small family the
2: barbecue. That is really, really hard and fast. You know, they fan it because when you're cooking, the meat juices and fats when they drip drip onto the charcoal, they create the smoke, but they also start to take out some of that fire. So that's why they keep wafting it with the so Japanese to keep pan, the fire going, to keep the oxygen.
1: Now, tell me about the scene, the, the sorts of flavours you are introducing, because it seems to me that different cuts of meat require different seasoning. <sighs> different meats take different seasonings. Meat, poultry. Fish All require different flavors. So, what have you been playing around? With? So, that's, or, it's not playing a, this, it's a a, this is a serious
2: <laughs> game. <laughs> so, this is that's actually the most important point. I, I, I we're not trying to re- recreate anything. Um, for me, the beautiful thing of the marriage of flavors of the world, and through travel from centuries ago to current, we've m- been able to mix flavors that have come up with probably like the Bible of what your palate likes. There's certain things your palate doesn't like, there's certain things that your palate loves. Um, so all our seven rubs, um, we have a Balinese satay. Very, very cultured to a Balinese, rather than being a Malaysian or a Thai, is a very much a Balinese satay. We have a Tuscan alabaraci, which is the, it's, it's basically just garlic, salt, pepper, oregano and paprika we have the asado which is the classic black pepper salt garlic of south america we have the mumbai tikka which has got these there's about 20 odd spices that go in but it's got this element of tickle of mint and cardamom that is so pure to it and that is amazing with go lamb prawns fish
1: and the other thing about those flavors is that they're much
2: they're much more aromatic aromatic yeah so they clear your head clear and they're wonderful so that one especially can be mixed with yogurt and used into a marinade or so it can be used as a marinade or you can use it as just a finishing it's also wonderful that tikka makes the most beautiful lamb curry or chicken curry or any kind of dal
0: you're listening to Rita Ehrlich in conversation with Matt Wilkinson, culinary director of Montelto Restaurant on the Mornington Peninsula, about his pandemic lockdown project to create a range of barbecue rubs and seasonings from meals he's
2: enjoyed around the world. And then we've got we've got two kind of like off-cuff ones. We've got the Tokyo Togarashi first before the two off-cuff ones. And that was I actually there was a a japanese chef master and I, went out like i was saying before i went for a meal at him and i asked him to give me the recipe and he wouldn't so i kept a little bit to the side and mesmerized it to get in yeah. and that has sancho pepper and a beautiful little bit of japanese chili that you never get at the start but afterwards it starts to tingle and octopus calamari cuttlefish scallops with that is sensational and then the two little different ones one is a I've called it the Shanghai Silk Road and it is more of the the northern Uyghur people of China into Mongolia rub and you know there they use a lot of goat and lamb and beef rather than the pigs Mm. and chickens of southern China and this is where the Marco Polo voyage of discovery Mm -hmm. of the 15th century where cumin Mm. And pepper mixed with Szechuan pepper and this binding flavour of this mouth-tingly Middle Eastern or Iranian-European mixed with... And it's, centra- Chani- it's actually Central Asian. Central Asian. And this on lamb. So this comes from, like, a, a, there's a traditional method of where you hang lamb mm. on, like, a bamboo pole over fire and you just turn it and it's absolutely smothered within this what we call the Silk Road rub um, and then um, our last one is um, my love of Hong Kong I, I, I'm English born I've been here f- I came out to Australia when I was 20 I've been here quite a few decades now and I've loved going through on the way on the voyage back to Europe stopping off on the way and Hong Kong was always a favourite of mine and a bit like Mumbai, and a bit like Tokyo, the rustle and bustle, but Hong Kong's just got this wildness, a bit like Mumbai, mm. of smells and cultures. And when I was adapting this, this was like, I want how do I get the brilliance of the siu pork with the brilliance of the Peking duck? So basically what I've done is I've taken two of the favourite things and, of Hong Kong and blended them together, where we have this hoison black bean and... Poison seasoning. Now, if you marinate it into any type of beef, pork, chicken, it's amazing with fish. But we'll keep even, especially duck. But duck, quail, uh, beef. You marinate it and then quickly fry it or low. No, slow, slow cook it comes now, out amazing
1: now the one flavour that's missing in all of this which I think is characteristic of American uh, seasoning
2: is sugar sugar, yes
1: and for me the American palate is very much uh, sweet and hot yes and you're talking about
2: a completely different style of seasoning completely. this is more of like a marinade or so you can use it at the start or at the end and it, this, to me, is about is diving into the cultures of um, around-the-world barbecue yep. rather than American. And I love American, but I will, I'll tell you a story about I went to this one festival once in America. And it's a barbecue and beer festival. And I saw this guy do these pork ribs. And I'm like, I've always kind of liked pork ribs. So this gentleman poured on way too much salt and then way too much sugar. And on top of that sugar, like raw, raw sugar, he put some brown sugar. And on top of that, he
1: poured maple
2: syrup. So if you imagine (laughs) Yes. He's got this boat of like foil, heaps of foil, right? And they put on some maple syrup. And then he poured over a 1.25 litre of Mountain Dew, which is that really sugary lemonade. Ooh. And then he added a hot chili sauce, wrapped it, and baked it and cut it. And I've looked at that and I've gone. By law, of nature, yes, sugar- we cannot not like that because our taste buds love it. In the internal uh, bodies, yeah. might not like it, but our taste buds would love it. And that's it's that lip smacking, that little bit of chili with all that sugar and salt. But for me, that's not cooking. It is, it's well, it obviously is, but it's it's just not how I want to eat. No,
1: that's right. the other thing that's going to happen when when we use those rubs is that people are going to go back to where they've travelled. Travel Because all those smells are going to recall the, all the places we've visited.
2: Well, that's one, that was one of the things, and there was that two years of lockdown, and this was kind of my lockdown mm. project with um, my partners Andrew and Adrian. And what we wanted to do was destination of flavour. If I, if I couldn't travel, I was, like, I was doing everything I could cooking-wise to transport me from a place to another place. place and destination of our senses not just our tastes but from visual from hearing Like we'd play different music um reader to like whatever country i was cooking like yeah, it was right. like
1: and just so you'd tr- have a gamelan uh, yeah like a yes. sense of like samba yes,
2: yes. or um even like french music italian yeah. music. like we would just i just immersed myself and i think through travel, especially in modern day times, we've travelled a lot apart from the last couple of years, there is nothing more wonderful than now what it does to all of our senses. Mm. And through food, we're able to then not just not just sense but touch. Well obviously sense touch, but we're able to grasp on it and all I've done is try to bottle that to, as a flavour.
1: That's right, when we weren't travelling, yeah. This is how we travel. Yeah, and as
2: as authentic, because I am a chef and I know I'm not from these countries. You can't really but, do a Yorkshire one.
1: <laughs> no, no, but no, you can't, actually.
2: <laughs> well, you could. It'd be, I don't know how to make a Yorkshire pudding slash Barnsley chop, Rob, but, but we'll get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, think
1: about it, think about it for a Now, I ought to explain that your background is not, is as a chef, and I've known you here at Montalto, mm. where you're now the creative and culinary director. Yes. Yeah. And before Montalto, you mentioned Pope Joan. Yeah. You had a restaurant on its way when COVID closed it yeah. down. That was rather sad. And before that, you were at Circa yeah. for some years. Yeah. So, in fact, your own style of cooking has changed quite, quite considerably. It has. From the very formal to what I'd describe as casual celebratory
2: I love that, that is awesome yes. and,
1: and so what what happens at Montalto and this is another trend the shared table Yeah. and very much a Middle Eastern thing but it's also very much an Asian way of eating It is. Uh, so that it suits us in all sorts of ways, I, I know people who get a bit territorial about food and who don't like sharing None of my friends are like that, but I've seen it in restaurants. Yes. Where people say, sharing? Oh. Oh. But I wanted. Yeah. And that's what they get. But the trend is very much... It makes it very easy for restaurants too, of course, because you're not plating up. Yeah. So the labour costs are considerably less.
2: Well, it's crazy. This is a crazy. So I've... I've worked in some of the finest restaurants around, uh, both here and on this shore and further ashore. And a lot of them have been degustation. So you didn't have you didn't have any choice but you got your own plate. And let's take let's take I, when I first came here I viewed them on. So we ended up doing like twelve courses. So you do fifty people in the restaurant, but everyone's having twelve courses at individual. So you're doing five hundred or six hundred plates. The thing about so the thing for Montalto was when I when I came on board two years ago, we've got the most beautiful restaurant. It's overlooking the um, the property, the hundred acre properties. We've got the mo- I think I've got the greatest access I've ever had culinary, but also in Australia, lucky enough to have the most beautiful wine by Simon Black, and the most beautiful vegetables and fruit grown by Julie Bennett. I wanted to really showcase it properly, and I don't think. Personally, a singular plate of a dissected, say, zucchini would showcase it the best. But my love of food is sharing. Yeah. And so if you were to come to my house, I've designed the menu around, trying to give you a snapshot of what the estate is, but also a little taste of everything.
1: They're more than little tastes. The, The little tastes are a bit tiresome. Yeah. Because you have a mouthful and you think... You either think I want lots more of that, or I'm sorry I ate that.
2: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um,
1: so you need enough to be satisfied.
2: Well, the, the thing that I think I'm fortunate about now—we we talk about this earlier—I have a few decades under my belt of cooking. I'm not um, I'm not shy of saying what I like or what I don't like. But for me, and we cook seasonally, and we we, we look to vegetables, and I've wrote. I Three cookbooks, but my first cookbook 12 years ago talks about this. If, as a home or professional cook, I'm not calling myself a chef, a cook, if you are starting with the best produce that is in season, and in season for a reason, you can't do this everywhere in the world, but for me, where I am, I can, the cook then is already winning. So, flavor should come first. It is then my professional job as a professional cook to make sure that the textures and the marriage of flavors are always zinging to try to get the most and the best flavor. And I think within the sharing element, and I think we achieve it, but also the thing that I love about sharing, I, I was grow, brought up in, in Yorkshire in a very, it was a very uh, church environment of how you ate, you ate at the table, Friday was fish, Sunday was- roast. Sunday Roast. And that was all sharing. And my fondest memories will always be, it's not about the food itself, but it's the humans you share it with, the time you share it with, and that table of how it is a magnet to everybody's different personalities of coming together. And I, that is something that food, and in a modern day where we have modern technology and yes, you might have friends, but the table actually brings you together that's
1: right and two things happen i've just three things happen one is that when you're hungry you can be cranky yes as you eat your blood sugar rises the anger dissipates good manners oblige you to be pleasant and being pleasant encourages being pleasant and that there can be quite serious disagreements at the table, but you're all in the one place Late. and you're all committed to being in the one place and that's why the shared table works
2: best. And that's what I, that's what I love and want, would love. It's not, And it also reads, we're in a modern day where there's restaurants everywhere. If you love your own plate of food, be nice, just go somewhere else. I'm going to be nice, I'm going, to, this might not be the place or my food might not be the right for you but it will be right for, for somebody. Someone. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to showcase and give a little bit of myself through my personality and food. The hard work of my whole team, but the beautifulness of what Montalto has to offer through wine and food. And if you like that, there's, there's an exchange. The Usually right. that's money for happiness. And if you don't enjoy it, please say it. We want, that's what, we're, that's what I'm here to do. This is what the whole team are here to do. We want this exchange and for us to leave and be happy and content. If it's not quite right, great. But at least tell those people there and then because truth professionals really want to know and change and that's what we're trying to do.
1: And that's where we're going to have to leave it. Matt Wilkinson, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much, Rita.
1: That was Matt
0: Wilkinson in conversation with Rita Early. For more information www.streetbbq.com.au This is the Travel Rider Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.